0: Welcome to Saga Thing, where we're putting the Sagas of the Icelanders on trial. I'm John. And I'm Andy. And it is time, at long last, it is
1: time for the third quarter court of Saga Thing. Long, long last. Yes, but we're here now. It is finally upon us.
0: We should explain what a quarter court is and how how it works, because it's been a minute. Well, it's been five years, so that's fair. What is a quarter court? Yep. It's a lot of minutes. Um, so a quarter court in Saga-Age Iceland was a sort of mid-level political structure. Uh, the island was divided into 39 Gothorths chieftaincies, uh, and at least that was the idea. Uh, various local and regional disagreements may have messed with the formula once in a while, but overall that's how it worked. The 39 Gothorths were administered directly by the chieftain, the Gothi, uh, through personal involvement and sometimes through more formal meetings.
1: Yes, and each group of three Godhorts was organized into an assembly, a thing, that was presided over by three Gothar. The idea was that with three people sharing power, no one person could fully dominate a region.
0: Right, it didn't always work out that way, but the principle was good.
1: Right, so 39 chieftaincies, three per assembly, means 13 regional things.
0: Right, and those were combined again. The assemblies would come together to form a quarter court so-called because each of them is based on a geographical quarter of the island, south, east, west, north.
1: Yeah, and those of you doing the math will spot right away that 13 doesn't divide evenly into four. See, that sounds like you're doing math. Yeah, but that's pretty basic math,
0: that one. You don't get snooty about math. That's a good job. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, yes, there are four regional things in the north due to geographical and political issues. So the north court had 12 Godar compared to nine for each of the others. Yeah, and we've talked before
1: about the variety of activities that took place at these assemblies. They weren't just for the administration of the law. They served all sorts of social and economic functions as well. Right, but we're in it for the judgments. For the administration of the law. Sure. Now, or, or at least our totally subjective opinions, I mean.
0: Just as good. <laughs> um, now, Andy, before we go any further, uh, how do I sound to you? You sound fine. Do I? Yeah. Because I'm in a different place. I'm in a new apartment. Um, I'm coming to you all the way from Reykjavik. I don't know if oh. I sound a little bit weird coming oh, from that. this building. But I, uh, I literally yeah.
1: thought you were, you were talking about your microphone quality um, and this quality of our internet <laughs> connection. <laughs> Um, there is a bit of a delay, you know. which we can fix in the edit. But uh, you sound great, and I'm glad right. to hear that you are doing well in Iceland. Wow,
0: thanks very much. Um, mm. You know, getting settled down over here. It's gonna we're gonna be here for a month, so uh, I'll be bumming around in Reykjavik for a few weeks. It's gonna be great.
1: Excellent. So if you're in Iceland, uh, look John up and uh, pester him because that's <laughs> what he that's what he loves. Sure, why
0: not? Uh, I'm around. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, So this is our third quarter, uh, and since there are 40 Icelandic sagas acknowledged by the complete sagas of Icelanders as being part of the Corpus of Icelandic Pseudo-Historical Family Sagas, say that three times fast, we've broken them up into four quarters. And after each Mm -hmm. ten, we hold a public vote to decide which sagas are tops in each of our categories. Now, eventually, when
1: we have all 40 sagas finished, we will hold an all-thing when we will crown our ultimate champions.
0: Possibly a very, very long way off in the future. Realistically,
1: yes. Uh, so let's have a look at the sagas that we've done in the last five years or so. Um, who's going into the clearing at Law Rock for a judgment today, John?
0: Well, uh, we began with the saga of Ref the Sly, the mm-hmm. story of a steampunk Icelander whose inventions allow him to triumph over his enemies. That's right. Then
1: we did Kjallnasinghe saga, the story of Bue Andresen and his adventures in the mundane world
0: and the world of giants. We followed that with Floamana Saga, which told the life of Thordil's Scarleg stepson and his harrowing years spent stranded on the coast of Greenland, surrounded Mm -hmm. by the undead, betrayed by a servant, and struggling to keep his young son alive.
1: Then came Alehood, a minuscule saga that's really more of an extended anecdote about a careless charcoal maker, the six greedy chieftains who sue him for burning a wooded area they own, and the parade of insults that shuts the mouths of many powerful men of Iceland.
0: Our next saga was Ail Scotlegrimson saga, the stunning saga of a craggy-faced trollish berserk with a penchant for poetry and a heart as big as his skull.
1: <laughs> and then there's the saga of Horde and the Homedwellers, the tragic story of a massive band of robbers preying on Icelandic farmers until the locals come together and betray their own values to fight back.
0: After that was the saga of Barth Snafelsas, a two part saga covering the careers of Barth a man whose devotion to his followers led him to become a small G-god, and his son, Guest, who adventured throughout the north before being killed by a dream vision of his own father.
1: (laughs) That was followed by the saga of Thord Menace, who survived endless small parties of men trying to kill him, lived through a feud with Skegi from Midfjord, and eventually died of old age
0: in his own bed. Our ninth saga starred two men who definitely did not die in their own beds. Fosbrotherum, the saga of the Sworn Brothers, the tale of Thorgir and Thormod, a pair of murderous troublemakers who both died violently after cutting paths of blood through northern Europe. Yes, and finally, the saga of Gunnar the Fool of Kjeldagnup.
1: Last, and possibly least, this saga featured Gunnar and Helgi, (laughs) two brothers who faced down a crew of bullies in Iceland, became troll killers in Norway, and eventually returned
0: home to retire in triumph. That's a pretty interesting collection. Uh, It's a bit varied in quality, but it's interesting. Mm -hmm. This batch included our second perfect score, uh, 20 points for Ale's Saga, but also our two lowest scores of the entire podcast, with Gunnar's Saga and Floamana's Saga each receiving 4.5 combined from the two of us. Mm.
1: Well, those scores all get tossed out the window now.
0: After a long ramble through these 10 sagas, it's time for you and I to stand aside. It's the listener's turn to vote.
1: Yes, we have seven categories in Saga Thing Court, uh, but one of them, body count, doesn't really have anything to vote on.
0: Yeah, uh, and it doesn't care what you think about body count.
1: <laughs> right. Well, it's not up for subjective discussion. It's just numbers. Statistics.
0: Statistics are always debatable, Andy. Didn't you study statistics in college? N-
1: no, I took one math class and that was all, <laughs> all I did. Uh, but did you?
0: <laughs> We're not talking about me.
1: Ah, well, okay. Well, the point is that there are six categories we're going to be considering here, or you're going to be considering here. They are Best Bloodshed, Nicknames, Notable Witticisms, Outlawry, Thingmen, and Final Ratings. All of these categories will be open for your votes. We are going to present the candidates in this episode, and then you will have until March 15th, the Ides of March, to respond to these polls. You can find the polls on our social media at Sagathing pod on Twitter or SagaThing Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. You can also find them on our website, SagaThingPodcast.wordpress.com. If you go into the well, the episode notes uh, for one, uh, but they're also there in the uh, past judgment mm-hmm. section under Third Quarter Court. That's right. Sorry, that's a lot of stuff to, wow, to cover lot. all at once. Yeah. Now, that all will work for you, of course, unless you are planning to vote for John's thingman, in which case I think you should sit on your hands oh. and not vote at all. Or you could vote for me twice. Uh, well, no, they can't actually. It's supposed to be limited to one vote per customer, unless you have dead relatives who uh, are available to vote for Vote for, for you. me once. <laughs> that is allowed. <laughs> I think it's a bad decision when you could really consider it, but uh, it's allowed. Oh, save the politicking for the thingman section. Okay. Um, Are we ready to call the court to order,
0: John? Let's do it to it. Best Bloodshed Well, there's really no subtext to this category. This is the part of the show where we celebrate the id of the sagas, the social pressure to act (laughs) on anger, and the culturally enforced need for revenge that lead to moments of tragic but spectacular violence. And sometimes it's just plain fun. Our past nominees have included a Greenlander shot in the gut by a Uniped in Vinland, a would-be assassin stripped and left to be devoured by insects on an island, a Gothi being strung up by a rope passed through holes cut in his hamstrings, a lone warrior tying rocks to his body to battle an entire crew of his enemies, an eye dug out of a man's head with a shoe, and an unfortunate combatant (laughs) speared through the privates and left to stand tiptoe for the rest of a battle.
1: You know, it still bugs me that Grim the Assassin being fed to insects by Killer Skuta, didn't get further in the voting. What a yeah, brilliant... bugs.
0: Uh, yeah, it takes a lot to rise to the top in this category.
1: And I still shiver at the thought of that poor guy with a spear through his scrotum, standing there completely immobilized while this fight rages on around him. It was just crazy. It's pretty nuts. Yeah. Uh, that one, you know, didn't even win for Best Bloodshed in its own saga. Uh, It came in second to Helgi Droblogersen stuffing his beard in his mouth to keep his shattered face from
0: falling apart during battle. Yeah, uh, I mean, this is a tough category. Uh, So our two previous quarter court winners are Gisla Saga for the last stand of Gisli Sursen and Gretter's Saga for the chaotic battle on and around a whale's carcass.
1: Both of those are worthy winners. Uh, But the question now is, which of our candidates from the third quarter has what it takes to join them.
0: Well, I'm going to start us off with an appreciation for our most recent winner of a saga. Helgi okay. Thorbjarnarson won the prize in his brother Gunnar's saga for his acrobatic athletics and strength in a one-on-one battle against Svart the Viking. Mm-hmm. Helgi was being hard-pressed, but forbade his brother from interfering in the fight. He asked instead for the loan of his brother's troll-gifted sword. This is the sword
1: that can cut whatever there was to cut fantastic stuff for a sword
0: yeah it slices it dices Uh, as the sword was (laughs) tossed to him helgi managed to spin into a new position pluck the sword from the air switch weapons and deliver a devastating blow that turned svart into severed art cutting his man in half vertically until the two halves fell away from one another with what i have to assume was a really disturbing kind of wet velcro sound and although the saga doesn't actually record it I'm going to assume that Helgi then looked at Gunnar, said he had to split. (laughs) Uh, But um, speaking of this, Eddie, you said this one was fantastic, and I think that's a good description, uh, both because it's extraordinary and because it's the stuff of fantasy, right? I mean, this is basically a vorpal blade.
1: Yeah, it goes snickersnack. Are you saying that uh, you don't believe a medieval Viking sword can slice through a skull, shoulders, rib cage, and pelvis like a hot knife through butter?
0: I'm not saying that. I'm heavily implying it. Uh, But it doesn't matter. Uh, Most of what we're about to cover probably couldn't happen in the real world.
1: Yeah, well, regardless, Helgi's bisection of Svart is a great candidate and a hell of a way to start the best bloodshed discussion.
0: I agree. For style and strength and a compact package, Helgi will take some beating. Andy, what do you got?
1: Well, uh, speaking of fantastic, uh, we've got a pretty amazing candidate from the Saga of the Sworn Brothers.
0: Oh, uh, is this Thormod's cliffside fight with Falger? Uh,
1: the one that ends up with Thormod and Falger falling into the sea and uh, the deep pantsing of Falgar? Yeah, that one. Uh, no, no. Uh, we didn't choose that one, so it's not eligible. See, that was a mistake. Well, I mean, you're not alone. I did receive more than one complaint that we whiffed on our pick for best bloodshed <laughs> in False Brother Saga, but, uh, but
0: I disagree. Well, I, I actually objected that we whiffed on it. I seem to remember fighting fairly strongly for the corner of Thormod on that one.
1: Listen, <laughs> this, is, this may be listen. your Edgar the Peaceable, Andy. <laughs> we picked. You gave in and uh, we picked. <laughs> so uh, putting uh-huh. controversy aside, uh-huh. I'm going to stand by our yeah. pick of Thorge's killing of Butraldi from his <laughs> Spearski. Now... You remember, Thorger had an awkward evening where he and Butraldi were guests in the same home. They didn't say much, if anything, to each other, uh, and in the morning, they both went their separate ways. Only Thorger's separate way put him at the top of a snowy hill looking down at Butraldi. And then, in an impressive feat of athleticism and balance, Thorger uses his spear as a ski, careening down the slope with his axe drawn. He rides straight for Butraldi. The saga says, Butraldi heard the sound of Thorger whizzing down and looked up. But before he knew what was happening, Thorger struck him full in the chest with his axe and cut right through him, and he fell back down the slope. Thorger continued down past him until he reached flat ground.
0: Okay, there you go. See, that's why you were so adamant about choosing that one over Thormod and Falger. Right, I think yeah. not since Skarpathen on ice have we seen such grace, such poise, such panache in a kill. Exactly, exactly. For me, it's
1: that last bit where it says, Thorger continued down past him until he reached flat ground. To me, that really sells it because he doesn't even slow down as he kills Butraldi. He just executes his move and continues on down the slope. I I really like to imagine him doing one of those dramatic uh, hockey stops, uh, turning on his skis at the bottom of the hill, snow flying up in a graceful arc as he turns to look back Uh up the slope to admire his bloody work.
0: So uh, given that the Winter Olympics have just wrapped up, what would we call this event? The Viking combined? The
1: uh, the, uh, uh, spear style downhill slope slaying? (laughs)
0: About the men's individual large hill murder ski.
1: (laughs) Sure, yes, that works. Uh, Well, whatever the event will be called, I can say with confidence that Thorger's Killing of Butraldi is what the Best Bloodshed category is all about. Dramatic,
0: stylish, a little ridiculous, and memorable. All right, what's next? And probably the second best killing in that saga. Uh, (laughs) the, The third nominee comes from the first pages of the Saga of Thord Menace. When Thord Thordeson is a lad, his family takes umbrage against King Sigurd Sleife. It seems that among his many unsavory habits, King Sigurd has trouble understanding personal boundaries, or the idea that no means no. On a visit to Thord's brother Klip's house, Sigurth drinks too much and drunkenly forces himself on Klip's wife, Olaf. What happens next is pretty clearly a sexual assault, although as usual, the sagas tend to try to shy away from actually explicitly stating that. Uh, and klup and his brothers decide to seek revenge uh, regardless of the power of their enemy
1: yeah and if i remember correctly it's thor who pushes them into action right the older brothers including klup they're initially more hesitant
0: well well they might be i mean we're talking about the king of norway here regicide is no small matter to take on
1: but the assault on olaf is too much of an insult and too gross of a violation to ignore they have to act
0: exactly Yeah, no, it's fundamentally a question of honor. Uh, No matter who has committed this offense, right, no matter what level of society they're at, allowing it to stand would damage the reputations of every member of the family. Mm -hmm. Um, The saga deals with this from the perspective of the men in the family, but it's pretty clear that Olaf would want and expect an attempt at revenge on her behalf as well. And that's how Thor and his brother see it. Yes. And so, the Thorthessons gather a band of men, selling them on the idea that Sigurd's behavior is a danger to all independent-minded men of Norway. They surround Sigurd's hall one night during a feast, and then the brothers and their strongest men rush the hall, with Klup leading the way. The Thorthusens take the hall by surprise, and Klup leaps forward and chops King Sigurd's head in half with a single blow of his axe. The hall erupts into chaos, and Klup is actually killed before he can escape, but the rest of the Thorthusens fight their way clear and eventually escape to Iceland to begin their lives anew. Yes, arriving with a reputation for having
1: engineered the death of a corrupt Norwegian king. That is a pretty good way of starting life in
0: Iceland, or so one might think. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, Klip has to go in as a strong candidate for pulling this off. Killing the region kings is something many figures in the sagas might aspire to, but Klip actually does it, and does it with style. He kills Mm -hmm. Sigurd in his own mead hall. Solid, excellent stuff. Okay, um, I've got one more option, Andy. Do you have one or should I go ahead?
1: Um, No, I'll go. Um, So, yeah, my next candidate isn't quite so violent as what you've offered so far, but it's still a remarkable incident worthy of its place in the third quarter court. And at this point, I am talking about the dream warrior death of Guest Bardison.
0: Oh, yes. That's where we talked about Nightmare on Elm Street, right, isn't it?
1: Yes, it is. Yes. And that uh, conversation actually inspired me to show the series of films to my eldest daughter. It was great.
0: Really? Did you watch all of them? Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> Even New uh, Nightmare and Freddy vs. Jason? How far did you go? No, 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 no. Uh, we actually stopped after Dream Warriors. So far. Oh, okay. So only three films. That's probably wise, though.
1: Yes, but we, at the time, we were also trying to finish our survey of Bond films just in time for the No Time to Die, and then she started college, and, you know, a uh, semester started. We'll get back to it, I promise.
0: Right, sure. Okay, so why don't you remind everybody about this eye popping moment from the saga of Barth, the god of snowfell? Sure, sure.
1: Now, uh,
0: for this to make sense,
1: you have to remember that Guest, the son of Barth, had been hanging out with King Olaf.
0: Right, and Olaf had been urging Guest to convert to Christianity, as he so often does to the Icelanders he encounters in the sagas. But Guest refused.
1: Correct, yeah, but Guest has a change of heart in the depths of the burial mound of the Viking Ragnar and his horde of undead oarsmen. Guest is battling Mm -hmm. against Ragnar, but losing badly. At first, he calls out to Barth, but to no avail. Barth simply can't help him. And then he calls to King Olaf, swearing that he will convert to Christianity if King Olaf can come to his aid and defeat the Draugr.
0: Right, and conveniently enough, King Olaf appears from absolutely out of nowhere, uh, bathed in divine light. Yes. Now,
1: Ragnar's defeated, and Guest returns to Norway for his baptism by King Olaf. But Barth, a staunch pagan, isn't happy about his son's sudden interest in Christianity. He appears to Guest in a dream that evening after his baptism. Barth berates his son, scolds him for turning his back on the old gods, and then leaps forward and gouges Guest's eyes out with his thumbs. Guest awakens suddenly and feels a terrible pain behind his eyes. And then his eyes explode out of their sockets. Guest dies not long after from this wound.
0: You know... Though I say it myself, and I hate to speak ill of my thingman, but Barth isn't a very good father. <laughs> He's a
1: terrible father. He's a terrible one. A- and a- at least not to a Christian son, you know, but I think even before True. then, he was already a questionable influence. Um, but yeah, I really I mean, like this moment. It's strange. It's surprising and whew, horrific.
0: I mean, it is literally the stuff of nightmares.
1: <laughs> it is, exactly. Um, and it features one of my favorite scenes. The fight in the burial mound of Ragnar. I actually have a really great t shirt in my closet now featuring uh, Jacob Faust's illustration of the climax of this fight. It shows Guest and Ragnar shielding themselves from the light as King Olaf bursts onto the scene. Chipper as always.
0: It's <laughs> a great image. Do we have that shirt available in the Saga Thing store, actually?
1: The Saga Thing store? God, John, yeah. I haven't thought about the Saga Thing store in a very long time, to be honest. Uh, no, its I don't think it's there. But um, but Jacob did give me approval to use the images that he's produced in our store. So I should update it and uh, put that thing in there. It's a cool shirt. You
0: should. I think we've got actually quite a few cool illustrations at this point that we could use in the store.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't disagree. Uh, the problem, as you know, is, is just time. Uh, but I'll
0: see what I can do. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll try to get that done. Yes. Yes, do that. Uh, Now, Andy, we're almost done with the best bloodshed category, and I still haven't heard the name Ailes Scott LaGrimson. I feel like I should be hearing the name Ailes Scott LaGrimson in a category called best bloodshed.
1: Well, funny you should mention that. Uh, I know you said you had one more, but I'll I'll share my next candidate just to keep you happy. Um, My next candidate (laughs) is none other than Ailes Scott LaGrimson. Oh, you're kidding. What are the odds?
0: (laughs) Uh, It's time. Excellent. Uh, so which of Ail's many, many, many efforts resulting in best bloodshed candidates did we actually choose?
1: Well, it, like, yeah, it was a difficult choice, but we chose the thrilling conclusion to his duel with Atli the Short. Now, you may not remember oh, Atli yes. the Short, but I bet you all remember what happened to him. This was the second of Ale's big duels. The first one against Lyot the Pale was pretty easy for ale but... Atli the Short was an accomplished dueler who had the advantage of a magical charm that protected him from Ale's sword. Right. Now, some would call that cheating. Others would call it being prepared. Yes. Spoken like a man from New England. Now, Ale oh, tries God. and tries and tries to hit Atli. And each time he lands a clean mm-hmm. blow, the sword bounces off Atli's skin without leaving a scratch. And when Ale realizes that his sword isn't going to help him, he drops the sword and leaps at Atli. Surprised, Oddly gives just enough ground to give ale an opening, and that's when ale seizes Otley by the hair, pulls his head back, and rips his throat out with his bare teeth.
0: You know, some might say that's a bit drastic, but, I mean, mm. the sword hasn't been working, right? And, right. you know, just stopping at a hickey might have given the wrong impression.
1: <laughs> definitely, definitely the wrong impression. Um, let's not forget the dramatic finish to this scene, uh, although I think uh, a hickey would be extremely dramatic and interesting.
0: Unexpected. (laughs) In the context, yes.
1: Yeah, but it wouldn't be here in Best Bloodshed. Um, No. So what happened after? Uh, Still pumped full of berserker juice, Ale rushes toward the bull, this large bull that was standing nearby for the victor to sacrifice, and and sacrifice it, he does. Ale grabs the bull by the nose and by the horns. He flips it over and snaps its neck with his bare hands. It's an impressive, bloody, and utterly insane episode from the saga of Ale Scott the Grimson, and it is a worthy candidate. For this third quarter,
0: Andy, I will agree with you so long as you promise never to say the words "berserker juice" again. Did I say that? <clears throat> yes. Oh, sorry about that.
1: I'll try to remember. But but there you go, John. There's your ale, uh, Scotty Grimson,
0: bloodshed. Uh, are you satisfied? I'm satisfied. I feel like I've had Thanks. my meal, and now I'm ready for dessert. Uh, okay. Our final candidate is is one of the most unusual entries we're ever likely to see. In any saga. Wow, that is quite a claim. Well, this is quite a story. It comes to us from the saga of Ref the Sly, and it comes at the end of the siege of Ref's Greenland stronghold by a crowd of his enemies. Now, having already deployed his fire suppression system and various anti-personnel devices, uh, Ref loads his family into his ship, which he suspended from a rolling cage behind a sturdy wall. As the ship begins to roll forward toward a nearby river, the wall is rigged to burst open. And when it does four men are crushed beneath its bulk before being run over by ref's duck boat. Andy, (laughs) I don't know that we can beat that one as a showstopper. Yeah, four men
1: pancaked by an automatic boat ramp. That's undeniably impressive. (laughs) But, uh, John, there are a lot of impressive candidates here. This is quite something.
0: Well, the good news is it's not our problem to solve. Uh, For once, you don't have to listen to us bicker about who the winner ought to be. Listeners, it's your call now.
1: Right. Uh, Those are our six candidates for best bloodshed. You will find the list of options and a brief reminder about each one in our polls for the court. You go ahead and pick your favorite and vote. All right. What's next?
0: Body Body count. Count.
1: I think we can keep this one pretty quick, especially since we've, we've still got so much to cover. Uh, but I yeah. want to remind all our listeners once again that they can visit our website, sagathingpodcast.wordpress.com, and review all of our past judgments by clicking on the past judgments tab in the list of tabs near the top of the page. We've got all the body count and BCDM numbers for each individual saga going back to the very first episode on Hrothenkill Saga. So check it out.
0: It's a, it's a super convenient resource. I mean, it would be if those numbers were remotely relevant for any actual purpose whatsoever.
1: Well, yes, but it, it does serve a purpose of providing review when the quarter courts come around and, and you need a quick refresher. Uh, so for the quarter courts, we like to review a few interesting stats and then look at our totals from the quarter and our totals overall.
0: Uh, do we have interesting stats? And while we're at it, what do you consider... An interesting stat.
1: Well, I mean, that's going to be subjective. And since I've been put in charge of this section, you're going to have to Mm -hmm. settle for what I find
0: interesting. Excellent. Hold on. Let me get my Snuggie and pillow and you can begin.
1: Hey, hey, that's my old tired joke for nicknames. And now you can't use it. So there. Go ahead with your quote unquote interesting stats. Fine. But if I see a pillow on the screen, you're in big trouble, mister.
0: Oh, you you won't see the pillow. Just, Just the top of my head as I snore gently.
1: Well, there, there's a view I prefer to avoid. Yeah, it's fair enough. It's not looking good up there these days. No, John, you are a handsome man, and don't let anybody tell you different. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: Thanks,
1: so, let's, uh, let's talk Hrofenkels, because for the 10 sagas that we covered this quarter, we read a total of 21.59 Raffenkels. Despite reading Ale Saga, mm. that is almost 10 fewer Hrofenkels than what we covered in our second quarter.
0: Well, the second quarter did have Njal's
1: Saga. That's a monster. Yeah. True. Uh, Niall Saga was 10.94 Havinkels, and we also covered Gretis' Saga mm-hmm. in the uh, second quarter, which was 6.92. That's right. more than half of the Hravenkels covered for the second quarter.
0: Right. So how many Hravenkels was Eil's Saga? Uh, was like seven or eight, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, that's right. Eil's Saga was our longest saga in the third quarter. It was 7.2 Hravenkels long. Respectable, mm-hmm. but no Niall Saga. Now, our next longest saga was the Fosbrother Saga, the Saga of the Sworn Brothers, and it was a mere 3.61 Hrofenkels, even though it took us nearly a year to get through. Um, After that, (laughs) uh, the third longest one was Saga of Horror, than the Home Dwellers, which came in at 2.08 Hrofenkels. So on average, we read shorter sagas this time around.
0: And yet it took us five years to get here.
1: We read them really, really well, though.
0: We read them so well,
1: in fact, that it took us five years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's in terms problem. of in terms of body counts, um, the total body count for the third quarter was a very impressive one thousand fifty five. Ah, that's that is no, that's really good. I feel like that has to be better than the previous quarter. It is. Yeah, quite a bit better. The second quarter mm-hmm. had six hundred twenty five bodies. The first quarter had only three hundred and forty two. Oh, see now this makes for a more impressive graph. Good upward momentum each quarter. Yes, that's right, indeed. And as you would suspect, Ael Saga provided quite a bit of help with those numbers, uh, providing us with 407 mm-hmm. bodies. Uh, but Horde than the Home Dwellers, that was no slouch. It put up big numbers, too, with a total of 220. And Barth Saga also did pretty well in this category with 104 bodies. So if you put all of that together, mm-hmm. according to my math, uh, of the 1,055 bodies in our count...
0: Those three sagas made up 70%. You know, I think that's right. And yet I still get nervous whenever I hear you say, according to my math. Yeah, it's uh, scary, isn't it? This, this, no, that I think this is consistent with the trend, though, right? I mean, Nal and Greta made up slightly more than half the body count in the second quarter. There tends to be just a few of these sagas that really kind of yeah. flower when it comes to body count.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, but still, this was a much bloodier quarter than anything that we've done before.
0: But that's just totals. Uh, Was Mm -hmm. it also much denser than previous quarters? That's the question that people want to know, Andy. Well, I'm sure they do. Um,
1: Now, as everyone knows, of course, our BCDM is our body count density measurement designed to measure the density of bodies within a given text to get a better sense of which sagas are actually the bloodiest.
0: It's a sophisticated and very precise measurement. The envy of scientists the world over.
1: Absolutely, yes. Uh, we calculate the BCDM by dividing the body count of an individual saga by its Hrofenkel measurement. And this time around, we had 1,055 bodies over 21.59 Roffenkels. That gives us a BCDM of 48.87, quite a bit more than either of our first two quarters.
0: I don't think we calculated an overall BCDM for those quarters, though, did we?
1: Um, I'm not sure. I would have to go listen, but we did have the numbers up on the website in our past judgment section for body count. Uh, The first quarter had a BCDM of Mm -hmm. 20.73. The second quarter was almost exactly the same with a BCDM of 20.28. So the second quarter was...
0: Just slightly less bloody, even with Greta and Nell sagas in there.
1: It was, but again, that's probably the effect of covering longer sagas in the second quarter. Remember, we covered 30.85 mm-hmm. Hrofenkels in the second quarter compared to the 16.5 Hrofenkels in the first quarter. Well,
0: that reminds me, we uh we covered our total Hrofenkels from the third quarter earlier. We didn't give a total Hrofenkels for the podcast to this point.
1: Right. J- uh, just for sagas of the Isender, though,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think we include the saga shorts or the stuff we've read for briefs or any of that kind of stuff.
1: Okay. Yeah. Although we could do stats for those, but uh, because we do the decal measurement, um, but I'm not interested in going Mm -hmm. and finding all of that, (laughs) that info. So someone else can (laughs) dig into all of that. But uh, all right. So um, how many Hrofenkels is it? Something around, if I'm remembering what we just did, something around 70, if uh, my Andy math Mm -hmm. instincts are correct. Seventy roving kills. Very good, Andy. Very good.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, uh, I mean, we did just say all the numbers, uh, like I said, and uh, I did prepare all of these things <laughs> ahead of time for the website. So,
0: I, you know, I should have known you couldn't do it that quickly in your head, but I was giving you the benefit of the doubt.
1: <laughs> Thank. you. Well, I appreciate that, but no, I, uh, it would, it would take me too long to do it in my head. <laughs> uh, now, uh, just uh, <laughs> go ahead and tell them the total number. Uh, I know it's around seventy, and then we can move on to notable witticisms. Uh,
0: you mean nicknames. The number, John, and then notable witticisms. <laughs> uh, since the fall of 2013, when this podcast began, we have read 30 sagas totaling 68.94 ravengels. Yes,
1: there you go. And with a total body count of 2,022 from those 30 sagas, we have a BCDM for the first three quarters of 29.33. John, I have no idea if that's an interesting stat, but it is a stat.
0: I think it's worth tracking if only so that we have a total at the end. I'm I'm honestly, I'm morbidly curious to see how many Hravengels and uh, bodies there are across all 40 of the Sagas of Icelanders.
1: Yeah, but that is 10 sagas and 20 to 30 years away at the pace that we've set. So (laughs) plenty of time to wonder and Uh anticipate. For now, let's move on to our next category. Nicknames. Everybody loves our nickname section because it is John's time to shine. John's time to flex his linguistic go. and research skills as he offers educated guesses on what each saga nickname might mean. Uh, guesses, sir? Sometimes he provides brilliant insights into the characters, the language, the culture.
0: Oh, gee, thanks. Sometimes.
1: <laughs> Sometimes he swings wildly and misses. Hey, But we won't hold it against him. He's got more hits than misses in my book. Uh So uh, let me get out of the way. (laughs) Go ahead and step up to the plate, John. It's time for the third quarter's best nicknames.
0: Okay, great. Uh, I'm going to ignore your uh, tortured baseball metaphor and just go right into it. Uh, As you said, Andy, this is a category near and dear to my heart. I'm looking forward to seeing which names everyone found the most compelling. It's a a lofty and exclusive club to be a member of. Who will be a quarter winner like Thorgyr Butterring, and who will be a heartbreaking second-place finisher, like Ivar Horsecock? I'm surprised you didn't say who will come up limp. <laughs> I I mean, mean, I'm, I'm a, trying. The, I'm being grown up, Andy.
1: There's a joke there, though, you just let it go.
0: <laughs> yes, well, feel free. Feel free. Uh, who will achieve the soaring heights of first-quarter winner Havdan, the open-handed but stingy with meat, and who will have to settle for silver, like Thorbjörg Shipbreast?
1: Something of a theme developing here, I noticed. References to food seem to be beating out references to body parts.
0: Yeah, I think the theory here is that our listeners are more mature than we are.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, that makes some sense, I guess.
0: Yeah. On to the names. Uh, From False Saga, we have Helgi Seals Testicle. Helgi (laughs) beat out Torvi Bundle, Ingolf Singed Head, and Oddi the Louse to take this saga's prize. The nickname, Seal's Testicle, is obviously a crowd-pleaser. Uh, in the judgments for False Brother Saga, I mentioned that the name might refer to a cowardly retreat, whether into the body cavity or away from battle. Now, After some very unfortunate googling, we learned that seal's testicles are in fact hidden within their bodies, which is a rare quality among mammals, and that would certainly have made Helgi a figure of some curiosity at the local hot springs. <laughs>
1: Yes. And we know that nicknames relating to male genitalia weren't unknown. Uh, For example, one of my favorites Mm -hmm. that we haven't seen yet, Colbain Penis, or our friend Ivar and his horse dangler. Uh,
0: Well, ultimately, we agreed that this name probably refers to a man with one missing or undescended testicle. Uh, Whatever the reasoning behind it, it's a hell of a name.
1: Yes. Long may the seal ball run.
0: We're number one, says Helgi. And now on to number (laughs) two. From Barth Saga, our next contestant is Bork Bluetoothbeard, Uh, uh Bork came in ahead of Alof Shipshield, Thorberg Cornmouth, and Orm Forestnose to take this prize. That's a solid group of names, actually. Good stuff. I know, right? Bluetoothbeard is our beard name entry for this quarter, and it's a pretty good one. Uh, the reference might be to rotten teeth or merely to discolored teeth. No one seems to know exactly why Bork's Bluetooth Is connected to his beard either, but we thought about whether he might have a jutting or prominent tooth visible through his beard or a reference to a facial deformation, right? It might be an injury or congenital condition that shapes his mouth so that some of his teeth are visible. Whatever it is, it's definitely one of the piratist nicknames anywhere in the sagas. It's got to be right up there with Thorsten Codbiter and Thorbjorn Hook for piratey names. Mm -hmm. Now, some of the sagas, I admit, don't provide terribly stiff competition for best nicknames. But to win the best nickname in Ales Saga takes some doing. This is a saga with names like Earthlong, Skullgrim, Nightwolf, and Bowlrattler. But our next candidate definitely brought the quality to win the contest. Thora of the Embroidered Hand. Thora has to be a serious contender. Her name literally means lace hand, and we speculated that it might refer to skillet sewing, or tattooed hands, or a birthmark, or scar, or any number of other things. Whatever it means, Thora's embroidered hand is strong. Yes, indeed. Alehood mm-hmm. Ale is one of two candidates in this category to have their sagas named for them, although we did question at the time whether Alehood really merits being called a saga at all. That's because it's not a saga. Well, it is a saga. The Complete Saga's editorial team agrees. Four out of five saga scholars agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, no matter how we feel about this saga, there's no doubt that the name Alehood gets the thirsty judge's attention. Alehood won out over competition like Beard Brody Bjarnason and Thorkel Scarf, take a rare eponymous prize for best nickname in his own saga. We're told that Elhud's name becomes so widely used that people forget his real name.
1: Yeah. Uh, what was his real name again?
0: Well, it starts with Thor.
1: Well, it's an Icelandic saga <laughs> whose name doesn't start with Thor. Uh, but uh, was he Thorgear? Was that his
0: name? No, I'm sorry. That's not correct. No, oh, it's, Thor, it's Thor Hall. Thor Hall. Yes. Yep. I Judges, this- can we accept that? All right, the judges will allow it. Yes, his name hey. is Thorhall. Uh, good job. There have been a few scholars who have suggested that Eilhud's name and the, his hood and his squinting eyes and his reputation for hard deals is meant to evoke Odin. I mm-hmm. don't think we can go that far. But a nickname that makes people afraid you might be a god in disguise has to be a real possibility for best in show. Yeah. Our fifth candidate is Askir, Norwegian Scarer from Floa, Monasaga. I think mm-hmm. it's obvious why a guy called Norwegian Scarer made it into the quarter court and why he beat out names including Olaf Two Brows, Kettle the Beaver, and Surt Iron Skull. Oskar earned his name when he attacked and killed the entire crew of a Norwegian Viking ship after hunting them down. He wanted to exact revenge for a robbery they'd committed against him in the past. Now, in a literature that prizes revenge taken to extremes, Oscar stands out as a single-minded individual and, from a nationalistic perspective... You can understand why Icelanders would admire a man who could strike fear into Norwegian would-be marauders. Oh, definitely. Finally, we have our steampunk Viking, Ref the Sly, another eponymous figure among the top nicknames for the third quarter. Ref won out narrowly over names like Sheathgrani and Thorgils, the old guy from Vik. <laughs> now, measured strictly by volume, Ref is the king of the nicknames among this group. He's Ref Steinson. Uh, he's also called Narfi. He's also called Sigtrig the Norwegian. He's called Ref the Sly, and he's called Ref in Ragi, which uh, is a name with a number of possible connotations, none of them complimentary, and most of them slurs against Ref's manhood or sexuality. Uh, we said at the time that the, the term Ragi was emblematic of the slippery usage of insults against heteronormative masculinity in the sagas, meanings of homosexual and effeminate, passive, cowardly, and perverse, all overlapping one another in this and in similar words. Ref's enemies, and there are quite a few of them, try to paste him with all of those meanings. Ultimately, though, Ref's creative vengeance against those who insult him erased the Inragi name, and instead, the name Ref the Sly sticks, the name he's earned with his inventions and tricks. But, is a clever name enough to win out in this category? Yeah, that is a
1: tough group to pick from this time out. Um, I can see a couple possible winners. It's going to be really Mm -hmm. interesting to see which one the voters choose. I know which one I'd choose. Well, I'm sorry. We no longer care what you think.
0: You never did.
1: Notable Notable Witticisms Witticisms. Now it's time for one of my favorite categories. That's right, boys and girls and non-binary friends out there. It is time for Notable Witticisms. The category where we review the best lines, witticisms,
0: and hilarious bits of writing in the sagas. And we've got a stacked category this time. Uh, There may have been some weaker sagas for Notable Witticisms. In this third quarter, though. <laughs> We're looking at you,
1: Gunnar Saga.
0: Yeah, but the sagas that did take a swing at the ball knocked it out of the park. We're talking about Ale Saga, the saga of the Sworn Brothers, Kaldisinga saga. Hell, even Alehood Hood scored big points in this category. Oh, man. I forgot about that one. That one. That's a classic. I like mm-hmm. it. Yep, uh, it is. But uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves. There's an order for everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe you've got a good one to share first.
1: I do. And uh, to continue our baseball metaphor, this isn't some speedy jack-of-all-trade trade leadoff hitter who's going to get on base, you know. This first batter, it's a big-time slugger who hits for average and power. He's a real Keith Hernandez. Ah, yes. Timely reference. A real Keith Hernandez. It
0: is timely. The Mets are retiring Keith's number 17 in July. Seriously? Heck yeah. My brothers and I I I already have our tickets for the game. Interesting. By the way, uh, this is our second excursion to baseball metaphors of the episode. Is this a theme now?
1: No. And uh, not to delay things further, um, I just want to point out, I don't think of Hernandez as a real power hitter. He's more of a contact hitter. Oh, how dare you? Jim Tomey from the 90s Indians. Now that is a power hitter who also hit for average. Okay, you know what? We're
0: not about to compare Hernandez and Tomey on Saga Thing.
1: No, we're not because Tomey's better. Oh, or do we need to talk about World Series? Sure, yeah. Jim Tomey appeared in two World Series with the Indians. So there. And how'd that work out? How many rings has he got? Because Keith's got one. Uh, who counts Who counts rings, John? That's not, you know, not important. Well,
0: winners do, Andy. Winners count rings. <laughs> well, you know, maybe the, maybe
1: the Guardians will have uh, better luck than the Indians. I got to hope.
0: Oh, sure, sure. The Guardians will win the World Series, and the Browns will win the Super Bowl. You've got a bright future, Andy. Uh-huh. Yeah, thank you. Uh, let's not forget about the world champion Cavaliers. You know, actually, now that I've said that, I actually really kind of do hope your teams win this year so that I look like a prognosticatory genius.
1: <laughs> uh, well, not when you sound sarcastic when delivering the line. Uh, you know, that doesn't work.
0: Okay. I mean, all right, here. Uh <clears throat> The Guardians will win the World Series and the Browns will win the Super Bowl. You've got a bright future, Cleveland. Edit that in later. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, this, uh, this might be one of our dumber digressions on Saga thing, and that is really saying something.
0: <laughs> I don't know about that. We've managed to walk some pretty strange paths on this podcast. Comparing baseball players, I think it's kind of in our wheelhouse. True, but uh, contextually, the weird stuff usually makes sense. What we just did,
1: uh, it's built off of a throwaway metaphor. It makes no sense.
0: Gotta love the relief pitcher's throwaway metaphor. It's a <laughs> work of art over the plate. <laughs> it flies like
1: a wounded duck. Uh, although that's thats actually <laughs> a, a throwaway simile, I think. Not a metaphor. <laughs>
0: okay, uh, we can keep doing that. Andy's first candidate comes from the saga of the Sworn Brothers. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wrenching us back on the track. Why don't you tell us about it, Andy?
1: Right. Uh, uh, yeah, everyone will remember this one, uh, and not just because we covered it so recently. My first candidate is Thormod Colburn's poet. While he had a number of brilliant poems and lines throughout his saga, everyone's favorite has to be the butt poem that he composed while clinging to life on a rock in the sea after his fight with Falger.
0: Ah, the butt poem, yes. Thormod had just attacked the three brothers, Thorkel, Thord, and Falger. Mm-hmm. He killed Thorkel right away and then ran away to his cliffside cave with Thord and Fulgur giving chase. Uh, Thord leaps down on the ledge to fight with Thormod, but he's quickly dispatched. But Falgir comes sliding over the edge of the cliff while Thormod is trying to get his axe out of Thord's back. Uh, Fulgur mm-hmm. wounds Thormod badly, and the two end up wrestling on the edge of this cliffside cave. They slip over the edge and plunge into the sea below— and they wrestle some more in the water before Thormad manages to pull Falgir's pants down. Uh, unable to kick anymore, Falgir is then easily drowned.
1: Yeah. Soon after, Thormod's found broken and near death on the nearby rock. And his friends Skuff and Bjarni pick him up and they ask him about the fight. And his answer is the famous butt poem. I dodged and darted in the salty brine, and strangely Fulgar's arse bobbed up and down. It gaped at me. The fool died a shameful death. I saw the depths of depravity on that base god of sword-storms, then he swung his eyes on me and grinned. Wow. Now, John, brilliant as that is, it is an idiomatic translation by Martin Regal, who translated the saga for the Complete Sagas of mm-hmm. Icelanders edition. I uh, I took a stab at translating it myself, um, and I'll admit I failed. So I went ahead and called in the big guns and contacted our friend Kauri Tulinius, uh, an Icelandic poet who knows a thing or two about the Icelandic language and poetry. And he was kind enough, despite mm. battling his own uh, sickness, um, to send me his own translation, which uh, I'm now going to wow. take as our definitive translation, even though he said it's a wow. difficult poem and hard to get accurately. So <laughs> here's Kauri uh, here's Trillinius's translation of the poem. <laughs> I still bobbed in the water, miraculously swimming, that stupid dick dead by dint of my cunning, his ass-crack gaping. I saw clear through the warriors daring, the cur smirking, gods recoiling, he faced me.
0: That's great, Kari. Thank you for helping us with that.
1: <laughs> yes, it, it, it's really great. And like I said, he did it while suffering through a terrible cold. So we definitely owe him a beer or two. Um, okay. So uh, is he in is he in Reykjavik? Because I'll pay up. Uh, no, he's actually in Finland right now. Um, but he goes back okay. and forth between Finland and Iceland. Uh, if the Saga Conference is going to be in Finland, uh, if it actually runs uh, oh, this right. this coming August, right. we should probably meet up with him there. Um, I think that would be a lot of fun. Great. So hopefully it runs and hopefully we all we can all get together and share a beer and laugh about the yeah. gaping ass crack of Folger. Um <laughs> But OK, I took a, a very long time with that first one. I promise to be really brief with my others. Uh, what's your first candidate?
0: I mean, Thormod's a tough one to top. Um, he is. Our second candidate brings a milder but more menacing tone to his witticisms. Uh, Skeggy from Midgard sa- spends most of the length of Thor Menace's saga trying in vain to kill Thor, only to be thwarted time and again by the interference of his own son Aeth, uh, who is Thord's best friend. Late in the saga, though, Skeggy finally finds Thor without Aeth. Uh, Thor's been holing up at the home of a cowardly man named Thorhall and his strong-minded wife Olaf. This is the same Olaf that Thor
1: eventually marries, right?
0: Yes. Yeah, that's sometime later after Thorhall's okay. dead, which. Skeggy's the one who kills him, so I guess it's one more way that Skeggy's attempts against Thor keep backfiring on him. But that's all later. Uh, right now, Skeggy knows that Thorhall won't offer much to protect his guest, so it's Skeggy's chance to finally do something about this long-lived Thor than his side. He strides up to Thorhall's <laughs> door on a Just moonlit night with his <laughs> legend— <laughs> I tried to slip that one by you— uh, so he walks up to Thorhall's door uh, with bright moonlight behind him, and he's carrying his legendary and mystical sword, Skofnung at his side. Yes. And he bangs on the door. When a servant answers, Skeggi inquires whether Thor is in at the moment. The servant asks, what do you want with him? And Skeggy replies, ask him whether he'd prefer to suffer Skofnung's blows indoors or out here. Yes. That one's understated, but it's a nice line. I really like it. It is. I appreciate the pseudo-politeness of it. Right. I'm here to deliver a lifetime supply of getting your ass kicked with a magical sword, but where would you prefer to sign for that? (laughs) Well, Skeggy's a man with a reputation in the community.
1: He's an important guy. He can't be seen to be rude about things like this, right?
0: Or he's just being a hubristic jerk. Or that. All right. uh, What's next?
1: Okay. Like I said, I promised to be quicker. Uh, My second candidate comes from the saga of Horde than the Home Dwellers. It was a while ago, so I understand if most of you don't remember, but the winner for that saga was Thorbjörg Grimkilstalter, the sister of Horth. She is an impressive woman, and she also happens to be my thingman.
0: Oh, come on.
1: She had sworn fairly early on in her life through a poem, uh, when she was like five or six, to seek vengeance against anyone who killed her brother.
0: It was a prophetic line in the beginning of the text that, that pays off right at the end.
1: Yeah, that's right. And the man who kills Horth is called Thorstein Goldbutton.
0: Conveniently, he didn't know anything about Thorbjörg's oath. Well, don't forget that her husband, Indridi, was also part of the killing. And he knew about the oath, which is why he made sure that it wasn't him who landed the killing blow. (laughs) Yes, yes he did.
1: Uh, And when Thorbjörg hears about this, she actually stabs Indridi for taking part in this attack on Horth, but only to wound him slightly and shame him. She then tells him (laughs) that the price of peace in their marriage will be the head of Thorstein Goldbutton. And so, Indridi, being a faithful husband, goes out and kills (laughs) Thorstein for her, the guy that he kind of put up to killing Horde. Right. (laughs) Uh, When he returns to the house with Thorstein's head in his hands, he presents it to his wife as a a husbandly peace offering. Thorbjörg just tosses the head aside and says, actually, I don't care about it when it's off the body.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's a great moment, a fantastic line, and a marriage to live up to. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and it, it
1: is such a saga character line, right? It's it's so dismissive of both Thorstein and of Indridi, uh, who brought her the head, right? Uh, good stuff, good stuff. Uh, what's your next one, John?
0: Well, okay, so this next candidate is our uh, our second entry in verse. Uh, this is from Eil Saga, and I have to say I'm not shocked at this one for the saga. Uh, Eil has two different occasions when he composes poems on the subject of Vomit. Now, technically, he won for the first poem, but I think it's worth briefly remembering the other one for context. These are right. supposed to be short discussions, right? Well, I'll do it as quickly as possible. Uh, so on the no, second occasion, Ale is staying at the home of Armad Beard. Armad passive-aggressively feeds huge amounts of curds and whey to Ale and his men before bringing out the ale, assuming that his guests are too full to use up his valuable booze. Instead, ale drinks horn after horn of ale until his stomach is distended and starts to rumble, and it becomes obvious that uh Mount Ale is about to blow yeah. and again, this has happened once before,
1: but the previous time Ale just got angry and stabbed his host. right. It was Ale's friend who vomited, but this time <laughs> right this time it's time for ale to fire off the uh
0: the old lunch cannon. <laughs> uh yeah, essentially. Uh, Ale throws his host up against a post, grabs him by the shoulders, and unloads a belly geyser right into Armad's face. It is quite a torrent, and when Armad gets his ears, nose, beard, and finally mouth full of the stuff, he joins in on Ale's puke palooza Spoiler alert. No, not spoiler. Spoilage, maybe. Uh, maybe a content <laughs> warning, pukey, yucky n- Stomach nasty Stomach content stuff. warning? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, So everyone starts yelling at Ale for his crudity and not going outside to uh, Chunky Burp. And Ale says, Don't blame me for following my host's example. He's spewing up his guts just as much as I am.
1: I really, really want us to stop talking about throwing up now. Please.
0: Sorry, (laughs) we've just just gotten to Ale's poems on the subject.
1: (laughs) Ah, yes.
0: Art. Art. With my cheeks swell, I repaid the compliment you served. I had heavy cause to venture my steps across the floor. Many guests thank favors with sweeter flavored rewards, but we meet rarely. Armad's beard is awash in dregs of ale.
1: Mm. Mm. That is a good poem. Dregs of ale? Especially unfortunate <laughs> turn of phrase, yeah. but uh, <laughs> that's not the poem that we're actually nominating.
0: No, but I think it was necessary for context. Uh, as you said, this is the second sure poem. Sure First comes when Ale is staying with Bard, an ally of Ale's nemesis, Queen Gonild. After another meal of curds, followed by huge amounts of ale, Ale is irritated and stabs his host in the gut. Which is what sets his friend Olvir off into an Olympic-level cookie toss. Gross. And Correct. Uh, But Ail also offers a verse to Bard before stabbing him. I'm feeling drunk, and the ale has left Olvir pale in the gills. I let the spray of ox spears foam over my beard. Your wits have gone too, inviter of showers onto shields. Now the rain of the high god starts pouring on you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm Now... That's a complex poem with some really nice assonance and metric form that that don't really fully come across in translation. But what does translate nicely is the threat of violence hidden in the lines and treated literally and metaphorically through the language of flowing liquid. Drunk, ale, spray, foam, shower, rain, pouring. The extended flow, so to speak, encloses the Mm -hmm. ale that's been drunk, the vomit that's coming, and the blood soon to pour from Barth's stomach.
1: There's a huge amount going on for such a short poem. It's definitely worthy of its win.
0: Yeah. Uh, And it's one of the early signs that Ale really knows his business when it comes to poetry. Yeah, And as we said at the time,
1: no one else gets to embarrass Ale at a fancy dinner party. Only Ale gets to embarrass Ale at a fancy dinner party.
0: That's how it works. Absolutely. And there are better poems in Ale saga, both in length and in quality but there might not be anything else that combines bodily functions, menace and wordplay quite so effectively. It's a yeah. it's a scary dad joke about vomit set to poetic meter and I'm here for it.
1: Great, great. Uh what else what else have we got, John?
0: Well, I can go again. Uh, the next candidate okay. is from Elhood Saga.
1: Ah, Fluting Saga, Uh, an exchange Mm -hmm. of insults. It's got to be something special to win out in that saga, because this is really where sagas like Alehood and Bandamana sagas shine. Bandamana. Bandamana saga.
0: Well, I'd say that the insult from Alehood isn't necessarily a monument to clever writing or wordplay. It's more just a blowtorch-level insult in a heteronormative community with a masculinity fetish.
1: I mean that does describe a lot of the insults in the sagas. If you want to, I mean get it does.
0: It. <laughs> it really does. But this one is a little above the norm. I mean, or below right. it, I suppose. Oh, de- uh, definitely below. <laughs> mm. So this happens during the exchange of insults that occurs during what's supposed to be the trial and verdict against Ailhood. Uh His crime is having accidentally burned down a woodland belonging jointly to six Gothar. It's a tree stand, essentially, which a bunch of chieftains have gone in on together in order to have a supply of wood while they're attending the all thing.
1: Yes, presumably. And Alehood, a guy who's been screwing money out of them by overcharging for his subpar ale for for years, he's Mm -hmm. destroyed their investment. And not surprisingly, uh, they're a bit
0: annoyed by that. Right, but it's still very much David versus a six-pack of Goliaths. Uh, Or it Mm -hmm. would be. Except that Beard Brody Bjarnason in- interests himself in Alehut's plight and arranges to be the one to judge the case. He uses the opportunity to spit insults at each of the chieftains in turn, accusing them of bullying a smaller man.
1: Which they are, in fact, doing.
0: Right, oh yeah, but when Thorkell Scarf, one of the chieftains, shouts out, Well, this is a mistake, Brody, but for Alehut's friendship or his bribes, Brody's paying by making enemies of such men as he finds here. And Beardbrody responds, Well, it's no mistake to be true to one's convictions, or whatever the difference in men's rank. But there was a blunder you made last spring when you were riding to the thing and didn't look out for Steingrim's fat stallion, so that it mounted you from behind while the bony mare you rode on collapsed under you. I've heard that no one <laughs> can decide which one of you it was that he nailed. But men saw you pinned for a long time because the stallion had its feet over your cloak.
1: (laughs) It's great. Uh, As a killing insult, (laughs) that's pretty much a work of
0: art. Yeah, it's not nice and it might not be true, but these insults aren't supposed to be. The point is to introduce doubt or to provide a good punchline with your opponent as the butt of the joke. And it succeeds Mm -hmm. very well on that score. Yeah. All right, uh, have hey, we got John. One do you
1: remember? Hmm? John, do you remember? We have we actually have a picture of that scene uh, back when Matt Smith yes, was we do. illustrating <laughs> for us.
0: Fantastic! <laughs> it's, that that it's, by it's the really way, great. that should be uh, a coffee mug or a shirt or something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll look into seeing. I don't know who wants a picture of that on their on their coffee. <laughs> oh, that's weird, Me. but uh, yeah, I'll consider it. <laughs> uh, so, what else we got? Uh, another great candidate, uh, perhaps even a
0: sleeper for the win, maybe? It's hard to say. The competition is strong.
1: Yeah, it is. Okay. Um, so this one's a fun line from the saga of the people of Kjalanes, the second saga that we covered this quarter. Uh, our winner from that saga was King Dovry, uh, the foster father of King Harald and the father of the giantess Fridh. Now, remember that Bue Andersen had traveled to Norway and got the chance to meet the great giant Dovry. The King Under the Mountain. There's a lot of build-up to this meeting, and uh, up to now, he has been, been presented as a strong and very capable young man. Even King Dovery's daughter, Frith, seems to be impressed with him. But when he's finally introduced in the King's Hall, Dovery looks him over and says, Is this the bearded baby you told me about yesterday? Talk about <laughs> uh, taking the winds out of Buoy's sails.
0: A great line
1: <laughs> and a worthy candidate for notable witticisms in the third quarter.
0: Way to knock him in the dirt. That's just great. Mm -hmm. Uh, Excellent. That's the final candidate. Uh, If I had to guess, I'm going to say the Bearded Baby line probably won't be the winner. But it's a very worthy candidate, as you said.
1: Yeah. I mean, there there are just so many good ones this quarter. Uh, Mm -hmm. But fortunately, John, the burden is not on us this time. It's up to you, the listeners, to tell us which of these six candidates for notable witticism you like best. My money? It's on a close race between Ale and Thormund. Well, I'm not sure you know how betting works, Andy. You uh, you can't pick two oh, to win. Uh, uh, well I didn't pick them to win. I'm picking those two to show. Uh, and if I'm betting to show, then I gotta pick one more, and for that, uh I gotta pick Alehood, uh, because that insult is just too hilarious I to think, pass up. I
0: think you're you're putting your thumb on the scales here. Let's just let's just let everybody decide what they think is quality. Um, all right. All right, so uh, for now, we've got to switch gears and review the deeds of the men and women we outlawed from the sagas in the third quarter. You ready? It's born ready. Outlawry. Outlawry is probably our weirdest category. Uh, It's definitely the one we argue (laughs) the most about. Uh, But when all's said and done, I stand behind our choices. Our fictitious Iceland is definitely better on the whole for having jettisoned the whatever, three dozen or so people we've exiled. Now, that doesn't mean we don't occasionally make some fairly strange decisions. Like exiling Gunnar from his own saga? No, no, that's just a quirk. You didn't like that decision, but I stand by it. I'm thinking of the sort of thing that probably made sense at the time, but that just seemed weird looking back on it. Andy, how the hell did we end up outlawing Scott Lagrim from Aeol's saga? Oh, I mean, well, it made, it made sense at the time. We went through all that. See, that's just what I said.
1: No, wait, I, I, I remember this. Uh, the problem was that nearly all of the actual okay. antagonists in that saga were from Norway. They never even set foot in Iceland.
0: And according to our rules, yeah, you can't. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. The rule is you can't outlaw someone from a place they've never been and never intended to go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, technically you could. Um, they wouldn't know about it, but you could do it.
0: Yeah. Well, no, I think we actually made sense here. Uh, Outlaw is a legal term in the sagas, right? It means literally to be ruled out, to be, in a secular sense, excommunicated. It makes sense that you can't be excommunicated from a community you never joined.
1: Yeah, well, okay then. But that's why we end up doing things like outlawing someone like Scott Legrim in Ail Saga. The whole saga takes place Eh, outside of Iceland, really.
0: Right, right. Now, I just wanted to bring it up before we dig into this category, because I feel like a couple of our candidates for top outlaw seem somewhat odd as choices. Well, some of them are pretty rotten, though. Well, I mean, they'd better be if they're going to join the saga thing Legion of Doom. Uh, so far, our all-star villains are led by Thorolf Twistfoot, the malevolent Viking-turned-even-more-malevolent undead monster, yeah. and Freitas Erik's daughter, in her incarnation from Greenlander's saga— when she lied to arrange the deaths of 30 men, and then chopped up five women whose hands were tied behind their backs. Those are some bona fides right there. Right. So now we need to find someone worthy of joining them. What do we got? Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'll go first with a fairly recent one that most everyone will recall. Our first candidate for you to consider, for the worst of the worst, is Thorger from The Saga of the Sworn Brothers. It was a fairly easy decision at the time. Um, I think at that time, John, uh, you said something like, Thorger might be the worst person we've ever seen in the sagas. I think that's stretching things a bit, but there's no doubt that uh, Thorger deserved his sentence about Laurie. I, I believe that what I said is that he's the worst protagonist we've seen. Oh, uh, was that it? Okay, maybe. And that, that might be fair. Um, he's definitely not the kind of hero <laughs> we like to see in the sagas. Thorger is the king of unprovoked attacks, whether it's the downhill freestyle killing of Butraldi or the beheading of the shepherd who stood so well poised for the blow. Thorger approaches the world like a 13-year-old hmm. playing Grand Theft Auto for the first time.
0: You know, I'll bet that's a really good analogy for anyone younger or more culturally aware than me.
1: Well, I mean, how else could you explain his attempt at killing Gretir Ausmundarsson or his decision to kill Torvi Bundle for not responding fast enough? Or his killing of Thorgil so that he doesn't have to share a whale carcass. One could even argue that his relationship with King Olaf Mm -hmm. helps to balance him out. But even there, he really leans into his talent for hunting down his prey and killing them. I think there's a good argument for crowning Thorger the worst of the
0: worst. All right. Uh, Well, my first one comes to us from Barth Saga. Uh, Some of you may remember Kolbjörn the Giant. His behavior was sort of out there, even for a saga villain. Uh, He did a few things that were just sort of generally unpleasant. He tried to attack Barth during a game of bearskin throwing. He nearly attacked Barth's son, Guest, for tripping him. It's all very tame, basically just, you know, high spirits. Just run-of-the-mill
1: stuff. My socks have yet to be blown off, but I know he's got something better. Well,
0: hang on a second. Tighten those shoes, because then things get complicated. Kolbjorn steals 500 sheep belonging to Guest's stepfather, Thorbjorn. And Guest's half-brother, Thord has to agree to marry Kolbjörn's daughter in order to get the sheep back. Now, Thord is forbidden from bringing any of his family to the wedding feast, but he brings his brother Thorvald and his half-brother Guest anyway. When they they arrive, they learn that the daughter, Solrun, is not actually Kolbjörn's daughter at all. She's a woman who's been abducted by Kolbjörn, who's using her to exact revenge on Guest and his brothers, and then intends to use her as a concubine. Already this is starting to sound pretty awful. I agree. And the brothers continue to be horrified when they enter Colbjorn's cave for the feast and are served large chunks of butchered human flesh. And they have to sit and watch as all the trolls and ogres in attendance dive in and feast on Soylent Viking. (laughs) So that's what earns Colbjorn a spot on this list, Andy. He's a kidnapper, a would-be assaulter of women, and he eats human flesh. He's a nightmare.
1: A real monster, if you will. All right, Uh, that started slow, but it definitely picked up speed. (laughs) What's next? Okay, yeah, our next candidate is another one of the saga protagonists that we sent packing. It's Horth from the saga of Horth and the Home Dwellers. Uh, He was outlawed along with his band of misfits because, well, he simply couldn't be bothered to act like a decent human being. John, he's pompous. He abuses or disregards those around him that he deems to be beneath him and then he even attacks the farms of his own brothers-in-law to steal the goods that he needs to feed his growing band of outlaws. He's a bad dude.
0: Right. And, if I, and if I remember correctly, doesn't he set fire to one of the farmhouses even while his brother-in-law and sister are inside? Yes. Yes, he does. But uh, that
1: wasn't even the mm-hmm. worst of it. We were both shocked as we read the story of Horde's handling of Out, uh, a man who dared to seek compensation for Horde's killing of his son. When Horth hears about this, he goes crazy, absolutely mad. He kills Alv, then kills the farmhand who saw him do it. And then, making matters worse, mm. he tries to cover up the deed, or maybe just to cause more chaos, he sets fire to all the buildings on the farm. Horth and Thorger are both protagonists in their respective sagas, and they both earn a well-deserved sentence of outlawry. John, is one of them worse than the other? I'm curious what others think.
0: Hmm. All right. My next one is Scott Lagrim. And I think we're going to whoa, find that this whoa, is a surprising whoa, whoa. choice for a number. Yes, Buckaroo? Well, you started off this part of the court by complaining that we'd outlawed
1: Scott Legrim and all. Now we're supposed to consider him for president of the Bad Guys Club?
0: No, 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 that's not it. I think in Scott Legrim we get a more thoughtful kind of villain. I a see. man whose basic nature is bad, his berserk rage is his monstrous antisocial nature, his desire to kill. Right, All of that is a factor here.
1: Uh, that's pretty weak.
0: Yeah, also he killed a kid. Uh, oh, right. Yes, he did. Okay, go on. And then and then killed his son's foster mother and mm. almost killed his own son. All right, yeah, that makes sense. Um, I don't know if he's gonna win though, but it, it makes sense. Well, if I may speak for the defense for a moment, what's wrong with having a complex villain once in a while, Andy? <laughs> Why can't the bad guys have layers? It can't all be chopping up captives and murdering people from beyond the grave and feeding your guests human flesh. Sometimes villains have a tragic story to tell as well. If you prick them, do they not bleed?
1: Well, I mean, Thorolf doesn't, but okay.
0: (laughs) Well, Scott Legrim would be an unconventional choice, I grant you. But the mustache-twirling bad guys would be more interesting with a member who's a reluctant villain. A, Mm A Jekyll and Hyde type instead of just another Jason Voorhees. All right, are you done? Maybe. Yes, I'm done. For now! Yeah.
1: All right. Uh, my last candidate for outlaw comes from Monasaga, the saga of the people of Floe. Like many of the sagas that we have read this quarter, Monasaga had its fair share of bad guys, but the one that stood out above all others for his heinous deeds was Thorarin the Foreman. Though he was a fairly minor character
0: in the text... He makes Scott Legrim's behavior seem like child's play. Ooh, no, no, too soon, Eddie. I don't think that's the kind of, we don't support that kind of punning at Saga thing. Oh,
1: I'm sorry. Apologies. Uh, so Thorarin himself is a fairly <laughs> You're forgettable. You're not that sorry. <laughs> yeah, so Thorarin himself, he's a fairly forgettable Saga character. And yet it's hard to forget what he does. If you'll recall from that episode so, mm-hmm. so long ago, Thorarin the Foreman was one of the men stranded with Thorgill's Scarlet Stepstun in in Greenland. While Thorgils and a group of men are out searching for supplies that might provide some sustenance or might help them find a way home, I think they're fishing and looking around for stuff, Thororin hatches a plot to save himself. Mm -hmm. So he leads a small raiding party on the camp, steals all the remaining supplies, including the only boat that they had. And when Thorgils returns to camp, he finds everyone gone, his supplies stolen, and worst of all, the dead body of his wife, Thori, with their baby, young Thorfinn, still suckling at her breast. We outlawed Throrin for this most egregious and terrible act of
0: betrayal. Yeah, that's that's a bad one. That's a bad one. Uh, all right. Well, my final candidate is actually the third of our main protagonists to be outlawed from his own saga in this quarter.
1: We really have been reading about some morally dubious guys lately.
0: Yeah, this one will be quick. This is uh, Bua Andridusen from Keldasinghe Saga.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, he wasn't really as bad as some of these people, was he? Mm.
0: Yeah, I mean, not in terms of violence, no. Uh, we outlawed uh, Bua for his terrible behavior toward women, especially Olaf the Fair and then the giant king Dofri's daughter, Frith, and their son. Oh, oh, yes, I remember this one now. So, uh, Bua spends a winter with Frith and her father, and when he decides to leave, she tells him that she's pregnant with their child. And Boa says, Huh. Well, if it's a girl, you can keep it. If it's a boy, send it to me when it's grown. And then he beats Cheeks out of Doffrey's domain. Yeah,
1: he was pretty rotten. But it is a, it is a stock thing to do. It's a, it's a motif, if you will.
0: Yeah, but but then when Frith actually does send their son Yokel to Bua, he refuses to acknowledge his relationship to Yokel, forcing his son into wrestling with him to the death to prove himself. And once Bua is mortally wounded in the match, he dies cursing his own son. Mm -hmm. And so Jokul is left to suffer for the rest of his life for his patricide, which torments him so much that he leaves Iceland forever. It's pretty terrible. And his treatment of Olaf was even worse, if I remember. It it was, which shouldn't be possible. But it was. He abducts Olaf from her father's house, gets her pregnant, then abandons her for a while to go spend a winter with Frith and get her pregnant. While he's gone, Olaf is assaulted by another man— and when he learns about it, Bua dumps Olaf back at her father's house because he regards her as impure. He's a cad and an emotionally abusive and sexually violent cad.
1: Yeah. He, he's not guilty of the same level of violence as the others, but morally, he's about as bad as they come. All right. I think we're we're done ruining people's reputations. Uh, let's. Yeah, <laughs> but it's going to be so hard for people to choose here. Um, like, if I'm looking at this list of six people... Yeah. Am I supposed to choose which mm-hmm. one's the worst? That's a hard thing to do. Yes. Because they're all so terrible.
0: Yes. Yep. Uh, I mean, I think no one in this group really has that one spectacular moment like, say, Freitas and Greenland Saga. Uh, yeah. But they all are just awful, awful people. Except maybe Scott Legrim, who I admit, you know, my job was to make a case for him, but... I don't really and, think he belongs in the list. And yet
1: he's he's the probably the only one on this list where if you travel to Iceland today, you can see a monument where at the site where he tried to kill, or where he did kill, um, his servant
0: woman. Yes. yeah. You can yep. stand yep. on yeah, the shoreline. Actually, in, yeah, uh, <laughs> Thorgerd Brack's. Yep. Uh, yeah, there's a marker where Thorgerd Brack drowned. Uh, yep. So his crimes are still being remembered. That's right. Uh, all right, as a having novelty. now ruined everyone's reputation, let's uh, let's move on to people we actually liked. Excellent.
1: Thingman, and now we come to Thingman. For each of the ten sagas we've read this quarter, John and I have picked our favorite, or sometimes second favorite, characters as Thingman to support us in our quest to fill our halls with the best and brightest the sagas have to offer.
0: Now, this is also a good opportunity to review the actions of the saga protagonists and the good guys. For literary scholars, uh, this kind of analysis can reveal a lot about the values of an individual author or even a cultural moment. Exactly. Uh, Though not all protagonists are necessarily the hero of their own story. (laughs) Of course not, no. Uh, We've seen that with quite a few characters in our 30-saga journey. Yeah, but nowhere more so than
1: in this third quarter, as we just kind of went over. Consider Mm -hmm. the kinds of choices we've made this time around with Outlawry. For six of the ten sagas, we outlawed either the main protagonist or one of the main protagonists. Six, John. Did we really? That's more than half. Yes, it is. Uh, Going in reverse order, we outlawed Gunnar the Fool of Keldegnup from his own saga. We outlawed Thorger from the Saga of the Sworn Brothers. We outlawed Scott Legrim, who is at least sort of a protagonist in the first part of Ale's saga. I, that may be stretching things a little, but okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously his brother is a, a big player in that one too. But we also outlawed uh, Horth from the Saga of Horth and the Home Dwellers. We outlawed Alehood from his own saga. We outlawed Buoy Andrithson from the Saga of the People of Kjallinus. That's six people that we Man, outlawed. Yeah, that's,
0: that's pretty bad. Yeah. Either we got really grumpy this time around, or we just read a lot of sagas about bad people. Well,
1: maybe a little bit of both. But I'm bringing this up now because we're <laughs> about to talk about our Thingmen, and this time, perhaps more than either of the first two quarters, you and I both looked at our crew and had to remind ourselves about who a few of them were. And even when we know exactly <laughs> who they are, they're often secondary characters. They're brothers, their friends, their
0: sisters, their witches, a troll, and a dog. I mean, it's an impressively wacky group when you really look at it. Uh, And all that protagonist outlawing explains why you and I were both kind of scrambling a bit, especially when we had to pick second this time around. Mm. Not every time, but it was very slim picking sometimes. Impressively wacky. That's an interesting way of putting it. So what do you say? You ready to jump into this Thingman review? Oh, absolutely. Now, in the past, we've used the five pillars of successful Thingman selection to evaluate our group of Thingmen. Those pillars include political influence, brains, general badassery, historical significance, and who would you rather party with?
1: Yeah, those are your criteria, by the way. I, I just cleaned up the name for you. Okay, but it doesn't change the fact that there are still great categories. Oh, I can't disagree. They're fantastic categories. But I also like the simplified version, the three essentials of Saga Thingman. That is, quality of character, physical prowess, and political influence. We all know that triangles are the strongest shape, John. So
0: there's that. Well, but I think Sir Gowan and the Green Knight teaches us that the pentagram is the perfect shape. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, whatever categories we use to pick our thingmen doesn't matter anymore. We're in the quarter court, which means it's time for each of us to make our case for why our selections were better this time around. That's right. And like last time, I think we are pretty evenly matched.
1: Impressively so. But it's up to you, the listeners, to decide which of us made the better
0: choices. Now, we're going to continue the format we started in the second quarter court by opening with a brief statement of no more than three minutes from each of us. Uh, but from there, we're going to mo- do something new. We're going to move into a question and answer session about each of our thingman choices and the selections of our opponent. Yeah, should be a lot of fun. Uh, John, I've been looking forward to this for quite a while. But uh,
1: since I went first the second quarter, you get to go first this time. I am going to get my stoprocks ready. All right. Just one second here. When you're ready, in your own time, John.
0: Now, thank you. I know our job right now is to try to sell our Thingmen choices, and I welcome that job since my crew is of such quality that my task is quite easy. Uh, My Thingmen this time out are a veritable who's who of the best choices left after we outlawed our protagonists in this quarter. Allow me to briefly introduce the team. First up is Helgi Thorbjarnasen from Gunnar the Fool's Saga. Helgi's a popular man of great character, who isn't above chopping marauders in half from tis to taint. There's Grimma of Ogur from Fosbrother Saga, who can plot an effective stroke of revenge with one hand while knitting sorceress yarn armor with the other. Next up is Thord Menace, who survived seven different assassination attempts without ever letting the ugliness of his foes infringe on his sense of personal justice or his commitment to quality workmanship in hall building. My fourth thingman is Barth Snafasas, the god of Snowfell, whose dedication to his land and its people made him an immortal legend and eventually transformed him into a demigod. I have Helga, the Earl's daughter, who was far, far better than her husband Horth the outlaw deserved. Helga's strength of character and flint-eyed determination to protect her family's lives and honor lead to one of the great feats of any outlaw saga as she repeatedly swims through icy waters to save her sons from the bloodthirsty mob that killed their father, before beginning her campaign of vengeance against those same killers. I have Ail Scott Grimson, the berserk with a heart of gold, the living archetype of the warrior poet, a tragicomic figure ranked among the top three figures from any saga. I have Guzman the Powerful, a gothi of great wealth, notable generosity, and fearsome power, who ranks as one of the most famous and multifaceted chieftains of his or any generation of the saga age. I have Asgrim Alidagrimson, a passionate friend, a spear-wielding man of iron will, and a lawyer of such renown that he's celebrated as the best lawyer in Iceland after the death of his mentor, Njal Thorgerson, also one of my thingmen, incidentally. I have Esya, the Witch of the Mountain, a seer and sorceress of great power whose healing skills are as impressive and indispensable as her knowledge of the future. And I have Ref the Sly, a brilliant crackpot engineer whose inventions actually work, a masterly mechanic making marvelous machines, a dream hunk of the steampunk whose schemes bring extreme funk in a slam dunk to leave his punch-drunk foes sunk, a medieval Doc Brown who will build the Denorian my crew will undoubtedly ride to victory. Andy, I yield the floor.
1: <laughs> Great job. Great. Very interesting. Very interesting indeed. All right. I'm impressed, I got to say. Um so I guess I guess it's my turn now. Your uh, turn. Go for it. Yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't I didn't actually have a lot of time to prep this like you did to come up with uh witty alliterations <laughs> and things like that. So, I guess I'll be quick with this one. Um, as you know, I, I base my picks on quality of character, political influence, and physical prowess. <clears throat> uh, in the first quarter, I emphasized political influence. In the second, I went for physical Excuse me. prowess. Uh, and this time around, I, go thee, please? I went for strong character. Yeah? God, I, I what? Have, I have something. What have, is it? I, 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 I... Oh, you did? Okay. Hey, hey, John. Uh, Thormod Colburn's poet's mm-hmm. asking if he can share a poem he wrote about me and my thingmen. Um, okay, yeah, come on. <laughs> I've only got three minutes, oh but I'm boy. not one to turn down a pull from go. one of my loyal thingmen. Go
0: ahead. Here we go. Ahem.
3: where's my music? There we go. He sailed the saga sea, battled the word horde bravely. Heroes joined his side. Guest, oldlifes, and the wise, a seer and prophet, counselor to the troubled. Friend to all. Heroes joined his side. Thorgrim Helgeson, the Gothi, Thor's thingman, too, builder of temples, keeper of the armory, father of justice. Heroes joined his side. Thorgil's Scarleg's stepson, milky breasted far wanderer. Survivor of Calamities, Slayer of Polar Bears and Ghosts, Heroes joined his side. Thorkil, Son of Gate, Valiant Man, Great Gothi, Shield Bearer in Word Storms, The Star of Three Sagas, Heroes joined his side. Dorn Thorson, The Bear of the Hearth, best of Norwegian companions. Risker of reputation, friend of ale. Heroes joined his side. Thorbjörg, Grimkil's daughter. A child poet, keeper of oaths. Avenger of Horth, savior of his grief-pricked widow. Heroes joined his side. Snouti, slayer of Skryka. Faithful companion and friend, the Wonder Dog, giver of wounds. Heroes joined his side. Eidh Skegjason, the keeper of law, wielder of Skofnung, Courageous man, a strand between two raging seas. Heroes joined his side. Thormod Kolbrunn's poet. Keeper of Kvasir's blood. Thorger's avenger. The fall of Falgir. Heroes joined his side. Fala. Worthy troll woman. Merciful sister of Gala. Savior of Gunnar. Slayer of trolls. Heroes joined his side. Vote for Andy Stingman.
0: (laughs) <laughs> well done yeah yes yes you obviously had no time to prepare at all um, <laughs> I didn't but my thingman you know excellent. they got my excellent. back so that's that was nice. good of him that was very good of him uh, all right so excellent uh, having now laid out our our signposts uh, we're on to our questions Andy the first question will go to you first uh, okay. Andy which of my thingmen do you most wish you had for your own
1: That is an interesting question indeed. Uh, But it's easy, honestly. Uh, When I look at your Thingman, there's a lot of great choices there, not going to lie. But uh, if I had to pick one of them out of all those cool people, it's Ref the Sly. Uh, You listed out his accomplishments with a a string of uh, alliteration. Um, I was really bummed when you got to go first in that saga. Uh, Ref is exactly the kind of character that I'm always looking for. Love that guy. Very Mm -hmm. jealous. Yeah. Um, what about you? You have to answer the same question, according to our rules. Uh, which of my thingmen uh,
0: do you I- most wish you had? This is a tough one because there are actually two picks of yours that I would take very happily. And it's very tempting to pick Snouty the Wonder Dog. It really is. Uh, a a Wonder boy. Dog is a great companion to have around the hall, and Snouty is a hound any hall would be proud of. But I'd have to take Arnbjorn Thorisson from Aes Saga. Um, oh, yeah. I'd like to reunite my friend, Ale Scott LaGrimson, with his best friend, and, of course, the guy who's best at calming him down when he gets upset. So, right. Arnbjorn.
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Who, who <laughs> is Ale without Arnbjorn? Um, okay. Um, all right. So, uh, moving on to our next question. Uh, this is a good one. Which of your opponent's selections do
0: you find most baffling? Hmm. Yeah, honestly, uh um, I don't understand the follow the Trollman choice at all. Really? Uh, Fala's hardly a major figure in the saga. And Bard the Skipper was right there for the taking. Bard's Bard is a loyal skipper. and generous man. Yes, he, he fearlessly backs his friends, even against his own ruler. I actually Ooh. think of him as kind of a junior version of Bjorn, who you did take. Uh, Fala, on the other hand... Does nothing useful in the entire saga except that she helps her own sister's killer to massacre a family of her own kind before trying to marry him. I really don't know what your logic was there.
1: Uh, I mean, without her, well, I guess we shouldn't be responding to each other, so we don't want to turn this into a no. big argument.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Well, all right then. So,
0: Andy, uh, uh, which of my which of my selections did you find most baffling?
1: Well, I'm still, I'm still, I, I want to talk about Fala, but I won't um uh, i'll talk about your stuff all right and for me like, looking at your your group it's it's a tough one because each pick is determined in large part by the circumstances of the text and and mm-hmm. also i think worth noting by who picked first that day um i look over both of our of lists course, and it, it all makes sense to me because i genuinely like your list of thingmen this time around more than in previous quarters for example you know, looking backwards, um, I found your selection of Gretir intriguing but problematic. I don't think he's a good person. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want him in my Thingman group. Um so to answer this question with that kind of thinking in mind, I have to pick Ail Scott Le Grimson. Because if you Ooh. if you pay attention to the story, he's a problematic figure who seems incapable of working well with others. But especially with authority figures. I think he's clever, I think he's funny. I think he's a great warrior. He's an amazing poet, but he is actually a terrible person and he would not make a good thingman. He's not a team player wow. and without Armbjorn, he's really not capable of functioning. I'm also going to add he's done far worse things than some of the people you've been so adamant about outlawing. So I I hadn't planned to pick Ale when I first got into that saga. Um, when we finished, I wasn't interested in him. So that one to me is a little bit baffling, but I, I understand it.
0: Okay, fair enough, and we agreed that we're not going to respond to this, so I won't say anything. Although I will point out that I did just say I would take Bjorn in a second to keep Ale happy. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, so, Andy, uh, next question: Which three of your picks do you think represent your dream team for the third quarter? What are your top three? Oh, John. I mean, how do you how do you narrow
1: it down to just three? I I'm a big fan of all my thing <laughs> this time around, but. Oh, you know, boy. If there I've got goes. to pick just three, I'm going to start with the guy we were just talking about, Aaron Bjorn. He's noble, he's loyal, he's brave, he is the rudder on Ale's manic, depressive ship. He represents all the good qualities that we look for in a saga character and in a human being. So he's fantastic. My second pick is Thormod Colburn's Poet. Uh, sure, he's not as squeaky clean as someone like Aaron Bjorn or even Aed Stegisson, but... He's a damn fine poet who's more than capable when set to the task of avenging his friends and for helping out his gothy when he hasn't prepared uh, anything about the Thingman. I just was too busy. Mm-hmm. He's also extremely loyal, which is evident in his commitment to both Thorger and to King Olaf. Maybe not as loyal to the women in his life, but that's not important in this case. Uh, mm-hmm. My last pick wow. of the three. Uh, that one's really, really hard. Uh, Thormald and Arnbjorn stand out right away. I was weighing uh, mm-hmm. Snouty the Wonder Dog and Fala. I actually find Fala extremely interesting. I love she's given an active Oof. role in Gunnar's saga, even rescuing Gunnar from certain death. But as wonderful as she is, there's no beating Snouty the Wonder Dog. He is such a good boy. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. So there you go. <laughs> Aaron Bjorn from Ael Saga, Thormod Colburn's poet from of the Saga, and Snouty the Wonder Dog from Barth Saga.
0: All right. What about you? Who are your top three? Oh, that's easy. If I had to go up against anyone, sight unseen, I would feel absolutely unbeatable with the team of Ref the Sly, Ale Scott Legrimson, and Barth Snoflesas at my side. Mm -hmm. Final answer. I mean, Andy, I've got a quirky steampunk engineer wielding insane weapons and riding an amphibious vehicle. Next to him is a part troll, part lycanthrope berserker poet who knows rune magic. And standing beside them is a freaking god. I'm like halfway to my own team of Avengers here, Andy. I think I'm pretty confident with my choices.
1: That's great. (laughs) Really, really great. Okay, John. So our next question. Overall, what would you say is the greatest strength of your 10 selections taken as a group?
0: Okay. You know what? I'm... I've actually got, I would say I have quite a few virtues in this group, but I'm surprisingly strong. I look back and I didn't realize this was happening, but I am very strong in the supernatural arts in this group. Hmm. I have not one, but two mighty sorceresses in Grima of Ogur and Essia of the Mountains. I've got Eil, who's a master of runic magics, and I've got Bard's demigodly near omnipotence and ability to appear in dreams. Uh-huh. If, if Andy and I were at Hogwarts, I'd have the house cup locked up for sure. <laughs> I'm not trying to undersell the physical or intellectual abilities of my group, which I think are also formidable. But if it comes to a rumble against an evil sorcerer, I like my team's odds. Hmm. I like it. Andy, what's the greatest strength of your team?
1: Well, I think, like I said before, we've got a great selection of thingmen uh, on both sides. Uh, and actually, they share many mm-hmm. common traits. But one trait that stands out to me from my group, um, and I, I've mentioned a couple times across the uh, across the judgment sections, it, it, it's loyalty. Uh, my thingmen are, almost to a fault, devoted and loyal men of strong character, or women, or dogs, or what have you. They're willing to sacrifice mm. everything for the relationships that they hold dear. And that kind of loyalty is the mark of an excellent character, and I'm really pleased to be working with such a fine group of people who are, mind you, just as capable in a fight as your Thingmen, Um mine are probably just a little bit more devoted
0: to me. I hope. <laughs> All right. Well, now, having buttered them up, Andy, what would you say is your team's greatest weakness?
1: Okay. Now's the time to go get ice cream, guys. Um, we have ice cream in the uh, back <laughs> hall if you just want to. Uh-huh. That's great. So here's the thing. Uh, while my Thingmen may be loyal and good in a fight, I think that they may be just a little too honorable as a group. That may sound like I'm complimenting <laughs> them, but my tendency to pick characters—oh, you're humble bragging now. Mm-mm. No, I think this is a serious concern in the in the long run, right? Um, I have a tendency to pick characters who are morally upstanding people, generally speaking—not always, but generally. Um, that may actually lead to some trouble Not when uh, when the conflict between our two districts comes to a head. <laughs> you see, your group has been and continues to be stacked with pretty ruthless and unscrupulous characters. That can be a real oh, advantage. You. See, as no, 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 no. You see, you're turning this into a way of shitting on my guys. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm complimenting them. Uh, we have seen many uh-huh. times in the stories we've read that having that kind of character can be a huge advantage. While my thingmen are probably contemplating whether they should act and why— What's the right thing to do? Yours will already be surrounding the hall with flaming torches. So. Oh, boy. There's oh a point boy. to you. Yeah. What somehow, about you? what's. My
0: a- question about your weakness has turned into you're accusing <laughs> me of being hall burners. Thank you very much. Oh, oh, oh Andy, you're telling me Andy, your guys Andy. wouldn't burn my hall. Come on.
1: Now, why don't you tell me about their I'm saying
0: I may come and burn your house the way you're talking. <laughs> I'm leaving my men out of this. Um, all right. No, no, okay. no well, re- uh, I, unlike there. you, unlike you, I'm not going to take my time to smear your team. I'm going to talk about my own team. Uh, okay. I think the greatest weakness of my team is a lack of overall political strength. Uh, Goodman, the powerful, swings a big stick at the all thing. But apart from him, my crew is mostly sorceresses and lone wolves. Right? You were saying that Ale is not one who plays well with others. I think several of my people have that, that flaw. I have plenty of morally upstanding types, notwithstanding what you're saying. I mean, Helgi Thorbjarnason and Helga the Earl's Daughter. Uh, I've got a legendary lawyer in Asgrim Elida Grimson. But for raw political power, Goodman's about all I've got.
1: Hmm. All right. It's all very interesting. Like I said, a good, even match. Um, what would you say – this is our last question, by the way. What would you say is mm. the greatest strength and weakness of your opponent's group taken as a whole? So now now is your opportunity to uh, to lay it out there.
0: No, Andy, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be that guy. Uh, here's, I think, your greatest strength. I think your team has what I would call shop window appeal. Right. It's an interesting crew just to consider as a group. You've got a couple of straightforward warrior, warrior types like uh, Guest Odlifson and Thorkel Gadeson. Uh, but there's also Thorgil Scarleg Stepson right, breastfeeding his son with one arm while fighting with the other. There's a borderline sociopath in Thor Bardsson, and there's Armbjörn Thorisson front and center providing a swashbuckling style of leadership. That's before we even notice the dog and the troll woman out at the sides. Uh, I think you've created an interesting group here. Now, the weakness of Andy's group, I think, is the flip side of its strength. All that quirkiness comes at the cost of recognizable quality in saga terms. Uh, Arambjorn and Thorgil Skarlag Stepson are both solid But there are quite a few choices here that seem somewhat arbitrary uh, Guest Audlifson? Uh Taking Thorkel Gadeson from Aelhud Saga when there were so many weighty names to choose from? I mean, Snouty the Wonder Dog is an adorable choice I I love it uh, But to take him over as master, Guest Bartheson? Uh, and I've already said that the Fall of the Troll Woman was a weird choice over Bard the Skipper I feel like there's a line between reading deeply and digging for fool's gold. And I'm not sure that your choices have always been on the right side of that line. Mm. Mm. Andy, what would you say is the greatest strength and weakness of my team?
1: It's so hard not to respond. All right. Well, to well, me... the
0: last word here, so...
1: To me, your greatest strength is... It's actually also your greatest weakness. You you mentioned uh, just a little bit ago, you tend to pick the loners, the malcontents, the rebels, the fighters. It's an interesting and, dare I say, accurate representation of your own character, John, minus the uh, biting yes. people's throats out. <laughs> I think that's <guess> entirely fair. <laughs> uh, but But look at your group, right? You've got Ref the Sly. You've got Essia of the Mountain. You've got Goodman the Powerful, Eoskot the Grimson, Bard the Snowfell God, and Thord Menace. They're all extremely powerful characters who are more than capable of tipping the scales in your favor in a variety of ways. It's a strong group of people with, as you said, magical capabilities. But they're also so independent, so self-absorbed, so ready to take offense that I wonder if they're even capable of working together as a team under your leadership on their own your thingmen are amazing as a group i think they present a real problem for whoever's in charge and i wish you good luck
0: <laughs> oh man fair enough uh all right Ooh. well that's it so we've both made our case um the poll will be up with uh, our group of thingmen um Feel free to make your own decision, and I hope you decide correctly. <laughs> I hope you decide correctly too. And I will. I will not say what a correct decision is. But <laughs> Look, I mean, good if luck. they're
1: just window shopping and looking for curiosities, uh, I think hey. the choice is obvious. <laughs> uh, good luck, to you, Andy. Good luck to you, John. All right, let's get on to our final section.
0: Final, final rating. Well, this has gone on a very, very long time, so I'll keep this short.
1: The amazing thing is that you don't
0: even blush when you lie like that. I mean, at this stage of the game, come on. No, I, really. Look, we're doing this whole thing on a six-hour time difference with an iffy internet connection here. So this has taken even longer than it sounds like. Oh, I know this. I definitely know this. Well, yes, but if, if this episode has been edited properly, nobody else does. <laughs> all the cursing and saying, are you there? Hey, are you there? That's all been cut out. Uh, but it's getting late in this part of the Atlantic, Andy.
1: The sun's getting real low, big guy.
0: Yeah, thanks for that. All right, uh, here's the breakdown. <laughs> Over the last 10 sagas, we've had some highs and lows. Uh, I mentioned in the intro that we had a high score in this quarter, but also our two lowest scoring sagas.
1: Well, you know what they say, variety is the spice of life and all that.
0: Well, if, if that's the case, we got pretty spicy when it came to our ratings this time. Uh, you and I both averaged our lowest overall ratings for any quarter. Uh, you mm. awarded 58 points total which comes out to a 5.8 average. And I gave out a comparatively generous 58.5 points. Uh, so 5.85 per saga.
1: Look at you just moving that decimal point, dividing by 10.
0: See, I do the hard <laughs> math. You do the easy math. It's That's the schmott math. Eight, that's, eight. Well, you know, math smarter, not harder, Andy. Uh,
1: well, uh, those numbers are low, but it's not so low.
0: Well for comparison, in the first quarter, you averaged 6.55 per saga and I averaged 6.6. really? We've been that close both times. Yeah yeah. Hmm. we were actually a little further apart in the second quarter. I gave a 6.3 average and you gave six points even.
1: Oh well I mean okay, first of all that's pretty damn close too but uh what you're suggesting here or what I'm seeing yeah. this pattern is that we are our ratings have gone down each quarter.
0: That's correct. But I don't know if that's a reflection of the declining quality of what we've been reading, or if it reflects our growing cynicism and ennui as we stagger into middle age and through
1: it. <laughs> well, I always seem to be slightly lower than you, so I'm going to claim cynicism.
0: Why well, I get ennui? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, uh, you do. Hey, Andy, uh, which saga do you think we were farthest apart on in this quarter?
1: Well, I mean, we just did it. It's got to be Gunnar Saga, right? Right. Yeah, I gave it 3.5. You gave it a harsh one. Well, I think one of us may be way off on that one.
0: Well, it's big of you to admit it.
1: <laughs> right. Uh,
0: no, you said that one tied for lowest score, didn't it? Yeah, against Flow yeah. But we were much closer on that one. You gave it two, and I gave it a relatively generous 2.5. Mm-hmm. But none of those scores matter anymore. Throw them out. Throw them all out. Now it's time for you all to rank the sagas, and you get to pick from all ten of them. So if you want to rebuke us for abusing Floam on a saga, now's your chance. Uh, This category is unlike
1: the others because it is a ranking poll. So when you get to that particular question, Mm -hmm. what you're going to do is at least rank your top three favorites by grabbing and moving them into position. Uh, But you can, if you so desire, rank all ten. We
0: will tally it up when it's all said and done. Uh, And you can vote in all the categories in the polls, which will be up until the Ides of March, March 15th. If you want to vote after March 15th, well, we can't help you with that. Uh, Unless you can hitch a ride on the Time Denorian. The Denorian is not to be used frivolously. This isn't frivolous. Choosing the best of the best is serious business.
1: Yes, it is. All right. And with that, we turn it over to you. We bring our third quarter of the saga thing to a close. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this lengthy review session. It's been a lot of fun for John and I to go down memory lane, uh, but now it is time for you to vote Mm -hmm. if you haven't been voting along with the episode,
0: which is a decent strategy. You can vote by visiting our website, sagathingpodcast.wordpress.com. The polls will appear in the show notes for this episode, but they're also available in the Past Judgments tab under Third Quarter Court. That's right. And
1: we will also be posting them throughout the next few weeks on our social media. You can look for the links to the individual polls there as well. Um, as you all know by now, you can find us on Twitter at
0: Sagathingpod or on Facebook and Instagram at Sagathingpodcast. Also, you can check us out on Discord, where we've got a great little community of Saga fans growing and conversing on a daily basis. Yeah, that's been a lot of fun. Uh, thanks to Gyro the Sandwich and Kivutar Butter
1: Ring Tosser for setting up the Sagathing Discord. We really appreciate it. Yeah, Andy, I believe that's Hero the Sandwich. Oh, Hero, sorry. Well, you know, some people say gyro. Some people say- It's it's pronounced Hiro. Well, I know, but some- Yes, some people say it wrongly. There's a great controversy. Over some
0: people that. call me the space cowboy, Andy. It doesn't make it true. <laughs> some call me the pompous of love.
1: <laughs> but that also isn't but true. But I'm still just me. That's true. Uh, yeah, so hero or gyro the sandwich, you're going to have to tell me <laughs> what's your preferred pronunciation.
0: Yep. Uh, it's Hero. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, all the nicknames are a bit crazy over there in the Discord, and I love it. Uh, you can find me as uh, John Forkbeard, by the way. Uh, in addition to voting, we'd also love to hear from you. Uh, traditionally, we make some time during the quarter court results episode to answer questions from listeners. We tend to like a mix of questions, ranging from saga related stuff to our professional lives to uh, how we produce a podcast uh, to who we are. Uh, we're not just saga nerds, you know, we got other interests. That's right. If we didn't,
1: we'd go crazy. So, uh, yeah, send us your questions to us on social media or send them to our email, uh, sagathingpodcast at gmail.com. We, we really enjoy hearing from you guys. Uh, we enjoy answering and we desperately need the filler because going over the results alone won't really take that long. <laughs> and we know you guys love those two and a half hour episodes.
0: Right. I need, I need to justify opening and drinking at least two beers while we do this. And I can't do that if all we're doing is announcing results. That's Even though right. I can yeah. never really believe that anyone listens to this nonsense.
1: Well, you know, people do. And those who do are, without a doubt, the coolest folks in the land. We appreciate you all.
0: Absolutely. Without you, there'd be no one listening, no one to engage with, no one to share the journey with. We'd still be doing this because, you know, yeah. <laughs> we are who we are. But we're glad you're here with us. Thank you. I know we haven't asked in a
1: while, mainly because we feel silly doing it and we're terrible at self-promotion of any kind. But if you can maybe find a spare minute or two, please log on to your favorite podcast app and write us a review. The best part about those reviews is not really that it helps spread the word, though that does happen. It's, It's really that it warms our hearts. I've read some of the most wonderful comments from our listeners here, comments that make me smile and remind us why we
0: do this. It's great stuff. And if you can't figure out how to leave a comment, like me, or you're afraid of being tracked by the man if you leave a comment while using your phone or computer, which clearly can't be traced by anyone, then help us out the old-fashioned way by just telling a friend about us. Uh, Our audience has grown exponentially with each quarter, which is great. And we'd love to see it double in size by the end of our fourth and final quarter. That would be amazing. If you're like us, you appreciate this
1: amazing genre of literature and the intersections we explore between the history and culture of medieval Scandinavia then the more people that get exposed to it, the better. Yeah, so do your part and expose things. Uh, Spread the word. (laughs) In the meantime, we will be back real soon with the second part of our saga brief on drinking in the Viking Age and in the sagas.
0: And after that, we'll share the results of this third quarter court. Remember, the polls close on March 15th. The Ides of March. Yeah, so get out there and vote
1: for my thingman. Vote for my thingman. (laughs) Until next time, thanks for listening. Bye
0: for now.
3: But seriously, folks, vote for my thing.